Welcome to Mavsplain, where we break down a question, event, news, or trend. My name is Becca from Mavs Digital. Today I'm joined by Lizelle. How are you, Woo-hoo, Lizelle? Happy to be back. What's up? What's up? And today we're going to talk about game presentation with our VP of Entertainment and In-Game Experience, Jonathan Cornblit. Welcome. Hello, hello. Welcome. Thanks welcome. for having me. First sure. podcast ever. So. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> I I just recently started like having my first podcast experiences too. And I think you're going to get addicted to them. Yeah. I'm going to listen to a bunch, but I don't know. <laughs> I've never been on one. Um, well, we're excited to have you. Um, so just to start this off, um, can you just introduce yourself? Um, talk about game presentation with the Mavs, how you started in the NBA, your history, things like that. Just give us a, a good intro. Yeah. So where to begin? Um, I was born and raised in Houston. Boo. <laughs> I know. I know. It's weird. I was a swimmer by trade that took me to college to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. So Sean Marion was there. Yep was there which is pretty cool to now see him around the office and then um, out of college I joined the local team the Rockets and uh, I started basically as their hoop troop person so I started as the guy picking contestants throwing t-shirts and then it just kind of started climbing from there you know I got the bug of game presentation very early and I loved it and I was lucky enough to have an opportunity to kind of keep taking the steps so that took me from manager to floor director to I just kept climbing up and up and up and then I hit a point where the Mavs sorry my coworker just walked in I feel like (laughs) the guy from the BBC Um, it's okay but anyway so from there you know I was there for 12 years I saw a lot. I learned a lot. I was able to do a lot during that. And because of that, um, I, there was an opportunity to come to the Mavs, which is something I didn't want to pass up, especially with, you know, I think there's, there's something to be said when the owner of the company is very passionate about say what you do to know, you know, there's going to be support and challenges that are going to be fun. So It was very intriguing. So that position opened up. My wife was from Fort Worth. So we kind of moved up here. And now I've been with the Mavs. We could say this is my seventh season. (coughs) Not sure if it's done yet or not. But, you know, and I've become a VP. I, You know, and it's kind of cool because, you know, I definitely cliche, but I started at the bottom. Throwing T-shirts, picking contestants, understanding, laying it out on the floor, like, have kind of done every step of the way to where I'm at. So it's, you know, just keep adding and learning. And that's, uh, you know, where we're at today. So I have a question, like from the first season that you joined, like Hoop Troop and just seeing how the process went from there, what, how different was the process then versus now, just with all the different like developments that, I mean, even for us in digital and like social media, we've seen, you know, people pick up and use social more and we've had to change our, you know, different directions and strategy how have you seen that kind of change in your industry and your part of the business from the first season you joined in the Rockets to like now with the Mavs yeah I mean it's kind of I would say technology is the biggest thing you know it's kind of funny because 
when I started, it, it didn't hit me, but there was no center hung scoreboard even when I started. So when you think of that, everything had to be more live and focused on bodies and entertainment. And, you know, intros, we put a drum line on the court rather than, you know, having all oh, wow. these and a video. There was no video. It was all live and performance. So that, you know, there's a lot more screens and um, digital opportunities right now and that's what's kind of grown the mobile phones just adding all of it so technology is the biggest thing and toys you know i think there's companies dedicated to things where you know like t-shirt cannons and things like that that shoot things out you know it started as a one barrel gun and now even like the one the ball blaster we have but even there's you know five cannon t-shirt shooters and more so it's kind of you know, it keeps upping that way, I guess. But yeah, technology is the biggest thing. You know, we add more screens, more boards, more lights, uh, more technology. You know, there's a lot of teams doing things with, uh, you know, where you can kind of now take your phone screen and turn it into a game and you can play during halftime. I'm sure you guys have seen that in the industry too. So it's almost like our worlds are merging a little bit more. There's a lot more, you know, even like there was a run for a while where that, tag board was popular where it was like you take a picture upload it and then we're going to put it on the board so in a weird sort of way our worlds have kind of combined a little bit more totally so, that's so interesting it's like now things can go wrong with technology obviously but it obviously runs more smoothly but i feel like back then people doing it live had to do it perfectly every time that's so that's so much pressure so. Yeah, and um, you know, I think what's what's weird is, so while that stuff has changed, I think the philosophy has always still been the same. So you're saying, you know, to be perfect and the pressure, and it's like it's still whether it was um, working on, say, a contest where we had to lay things in the right spot. Well, we're still doing all of that. You know, there's there's an added element now of video board components or things you can throw it to, but the the same philosophy is still there and that's to entertain with energy right for sure um so wait i have a question for you um so you said you know coming from hoop troop and kind of the you know the squad that does all the stuff on the court and kind of hypes up the fans and moving up through it what was like the time or the moment that you realized like this is what i want to do for you know, the rest of my career or for the time being, or this is like the goal where I want to kind of strive for this. Cause I feel like everyone kind of has that realization. And um, so what was yours? Yeah. So mine probably came say three years in, you know, so obviously being the hoop trooper was part-time. And so then I was able to join full-time, like I kind of went to the internship route and then became full-time in a coordinator level. And so when I was a, coordinator that was also when I was like the floor director so making sure everything got on and off and making sure that um, you know things were set up contestants were prepped props were ready all that kind of stuff was in line so learning the kind of managing the tunnel if you will role and I remember it was a summer it's funny I was just thinking about this the other day because I found a picture but there was a summer um, the first game I ever called, so that means like sat at the table and kind of directed the game, so not worried about the floor, it was a WNBA playoff game. And I think it was like a Wednesday, 
And it just happened to be the same year that Katrina hit New Orleans. And so um, it's funny how it all ties together because Kenny Smith just recently talked about this. But so he organized a Katrina relief game. And it was like a mini all-star game. And so because he had played in Houston, he called the owner to host it there. And so we were so close to New Orleans and we had a lot of refugees. And so it was this giant charity game that basically on a Wednesday um, – we found out we were hosting. Well, the reason I had called that game was my boss at the time was out of town for his brother's wedding. So it was kind of one of those things you can't miss. So it kind of was on me to kind of produce and direct the whole event. And so, and when I say mini all-star game, it was guys like Kobe and LeBron and Garnett. Um, Yao was there, Tracy McGrady, um, Stefan. Like I could, I got to look at the picture again to remember, but those are obviously the big names. And um, the reason it kind of came up again is when TNT did this whole thing and they were talking about Kobe, like Kenny, he explained the reason that happened is because he called Kobe first and said, Kobe was like, who do you got or what do you need? And he's like, well, if I get you, I get everyone. And so it was kind of this event I had to put on and, you know, one of the big moments that happened during it. So it was, it was, it was broadcasted and stuff like that. So third quarter, I remember, and this was before he got kind of different, but Kanye West walked in the building, Gold Digger <laughs> song on the radio at the time. So our DJ started playing it. And Stefan Marbury ran up to me at the table and said, give me a wireless mic. And he handed it over to, to Kanye and he just kind of riffed for like two minutes of the song in the middle of the third quarter. And then when, I, when it was all done and I looked back on it, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to like this world. Oh, that's so awesome. I, I kind of felt like when I was able to put that all together, coordinate it all in a couple of days and then pull it off and it was broadcast. So kind of working with the league and TNT. And I mean, I was still pretty bright eyed at the time, but once, uh, once that concluded and it was a fun event and, you know, the twists and turns and the flexibility and just the agility to be like, well, let's just see what happens. You know, I mean, it was, it was a strange game from one of the, the normal half times, Rubber Boy. He had he donated his time to do halftime and then because a lot of higher ups had connections with the Harlem Globetrotters. So our third quarter break was a performance by the Harlem Globetrotters. They were all there. So this is just one of those things where I was like, Yeah, I think I'm gonna like this world. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, so that was yeah. probably fifteen years ago, I guess. Probably we could probably do the math, but that's awesome. Yep. So you've seen, obviously, like you have counterparts at different teams and you guys talk and you have meetings and you have the NBA meetings and things like that. And I know that social and, you know, event presentation more often than not kind of go hand in hand. Um, so what have you noticed that, you know, in those meetings or in conversations with your colleagues that they share with you, pain points, relatables, you know, what they do in terms of what they share in arena and what they don't and how they decide and things like that. I know I've talked to Lizelle about this when we were talking about, or even Bobby, the, some of the arenas that, you know, we've been to and a lot of like some arenas share during their arena or event presentation, stuff that goes out on social and things like that, because it's really like related, uh, humanizing the players and should we want everyone to see that so how do you guys decide and also like your colleagues how do they 
you know, kind of decide what goes up, what goes where, things like that, or what doesn't? Yeah, you know, I think it's a good question. I think it, it's really market to market. So we see a lot of good things. I know you guys, you know, especially when Lizelle travels, she'll bring mm -hmm. stuff and be like this or that. I saw this or I saw that. And it's really cool. You know, I think somebody recently saw the kicks cam in Detroit, you know, and I think Dalton was on that trip and they brought it back and we've kind of put it up and Sprite liked it. And so we've done it a few times and it was really good. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of as much as we all do some of the same stuff, it really comes down to what does upper management and ownership want? You know, I think what we really want to do is create energy and vibe and at the end of the day, throw a party every night. So there's certain things where what we try to focus on is what is going to keep our fans engaged and participating and loud and noisy the whole time. So there might be some things that other teams do that may not work for us. That doesn't really fall into our philosophy. So really, I think what we like to do is when we share and compare, it's really like, okay, that's a really cool idea but we need to add this twist on it to make it fall under our philosophy of, you know, keeping our fans engaged. So there are certain things, you know, like for example, I'd say a perfect example of some things that play well on social that maybe not play well in arena. And some of it is more from a uh, technical standpoint than it is from a content standpoint, but like the, the stuff the NBA did where they had like say Maxi, Luca and was it Boban? when they were talking about music or, mm -hmm. you know, like the Dirk Lucas stuff from all-star two years ago played really well, but this other one we ran, it didn't play the best. And sometimes it was hard to hear or the audio wasn't good or, you know, maybe the edit. And so a lot of that stuff is as amazing as that piece was, I think everybody loved it. And internally, externally, if you watched it, you kind of fell in love with those three guys, but it just didn't quite play the same way as it did in arena. And some of it is, you know, people don't have an option to click off, right? Like if you're watching the video online and it's just not for you, you can watch as much as you want to enjoy it. And then you move on where for us, we obviously have them captive for, you know, that minute and a half the video plays. And so we want them to enjoy everything and laugh and react. And sometimes there's many factors to why that doesn't happen. So, you know, I think that's how we choose it is, you know, we look at things and it's like, is, is the entire arena going to be able to play along? Does it have a presence? Is it lively? Is it energetic? And are people going to want to see it again? Or it was like, that was fun. I want to come back for it. And so um, that's kind of how we judge everything. So that's how we decide if it's going to work or not is we kind of, want that yeah full like it's for the full life of the video it's not like you just mentioned it's not just the first six seconds or the first 15 seconds which i know for us in social that's kind of like the major like points in the video where like okay we see people drop off but you want to like hopefully gather their attention but when you're in an arena it's not like you can just stop the video and like move on to something else if they're not like reacting because it's not up to the audience it's up to y'all in the game presentation so I think that is something interesting now that you pointed out because I didn't really notice that about you know how things work for us in social versus how it has to work for y'all in the arena okay so I want to take this moment to segue because after knowing you for seven seasons, we kind of started at the Mavs at the same time. One thing that we've always kind of talked about that I want to hear you kind of expand more on is working all-star games. So not only did you start at Houston and you like 
do all the game presentation, work your way up, but you've gotten to flip it during all-star break and work for the NBA and go to a bunch of different like all-star games. So I kind of want to know how you started in working all-star games for the NBA and like, what was your first all-star game that you worked and what was it like, who was on the actual teams, East and West and like, how did that play on your end? Because I know All-Star for us when we've gone is a complete whirlwind. So I can't even imagine having to work game presentation and like the long days and nights that go into it. Yeah, you know, and I, I think it's so the first one I ever did was back in 06. And it was the first time it went to Houston. I believe it was 06. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just because we were the host city. So the, the league kind of it's like, yeah, out where you can kind of thing. And I think that was, uh, I didn't have that much responsibility. I just kind of wanted to be there. And it was just for me, like loving production and just seeing the behind the scenes of how long they rehearsed just even intros, you know, how many days and hours that takes and, you know, getting to stand in, you know, we would hold the white paper and it would say like uh, Kobe Bryant or something like that. And we would stand in for camera so they could see where you walk. So kind of started, my first one was that. I didn't really do anything other than this, be where I needed to be to just observe and absorb because I just I kind of love that whole behind the scenes stuff and see how it goes on and I mean it's like when you do all-star just when it actually happens the amount of just celebrities and the glitz and glamour and how much of it is an event and a weekend rather than just basketball and I think that's what was pretty amazing so then the first one where I actually had responsibility was Orlando and I think that was quite a few years later um and that was just kind of you know you kind of went back to almost being a hoop trooper again where you're really there and you're just an extra hand and you know I think they look at it as you know you understand game presentation you know what needs to be done so we trust you to just kind of get our back and help us out and if you see something wrong you know what if it was your show what would you do so do the same thing and then from there it's just kind of kind of snowballed and so I was asked back to keep doing it and so I've done eight now and I've actually got to watch Chicago so that would I've been to nine and and I've kind of had a lot of different roles you know based on how the league's changed a little bit so quite a few years was just stage manager just what do you need me these are my moments that I own so I need to make sure the right people are there whether it's a player speaking for community on stage the contest, things like that. Um, And then in Toronto, I got to be a host producer. So really I would take the hosts around and make sure they were where they needed to be for their hits, what section they were in, what their copy was, um, if there was a prop needed, you know, just kind of making sure all that was ready to go. So when the lights turned on, you know, they could, they could get their hit in. And then, so that kept growing. I did that host producing role for a few years because I really enjoyed it. I got to meet some cool people doing it from the host in Toronto to the host in Sacramento. And it's, you know, it's like you mentioned the hours and the days, you're just kind of with these people for 12 to 15 hours a day, you know, side by side, you know, kind of on and off, on and off. And so you really get to form these cool friendships over time. But so I did that a few years. Um, And then again, like during the rehearsals, we're stand-ins, we're, you know, just around, we get to watch all the sound checks and things like that. So really you're on headset here, the way they call things, you just, you know, seeing all the behind the scenes stuff, you know, and a lot of times in those roles, part of what I would do is also help line up all the guys 
for intros. So when you see the guys come out and they dance, you know, I would be behind the stage making sure they were in the right spot or in the right bay or, you know, and I can remember times there were some stages that, you know, would have these mechanical lifts that would bring the guys up or it would open up and then smoke would come out. And, you know, I still, there, I keep bringing them up, but it's like, you know, if you think of the last, the all-stars for the last 10 years, you know, that been around all those guys so that's just about everyone in the league that people still talk about and buy their jerseys they've all been there at some point um you know from Kobe to even like Chris Paul to um LeBron to you know and it's just kind of like if you've been a fan of the NBA for the last 10 years you've you know you've seen a lot of these guys and so finally uh in LA I they actually asked me to kind of produce help produce and put on the I don't even know what it's called. The world versus – it used to be the rising stars. I kind of forget what it's called right now. But, you know, and so that was where, you know, I sat at the table and kind of did a lot more closely what I do for the Mavs. And so myself and my buddy Cassidy, who was at Phoenix at the time, we got to put the game on. So it was up to us to come up with the timeouts, what did intros look like, the music that was played. And so the copy that was in the, the script, you know, and there are obviously things we have to do for the NBA that they sell. It's their game. But the filler stuff, if there's an extra timeout, what are we doing? And so uh, myself and him just kind of put it on. And that was a lot of fun, too, because um, we got to play with those lasers in L.A. So that was a really cool intro. Um, and so that's kind of been, again, similar with the career. I've kind of been at just a, almost different, so many different levels by doing All-Stars, too. And I just, you know, I love it. I love the behind the scenes. I love when they're testing the pyro and the lights and, you know, the sound check and some of it too is just, you know, I know I'm not a musical artist by any means, but seeing how much they care even to their rehearsals, you know, I can still remember in Orlando, since it was the first one, it kind of sticks out, but Nicki Minaj was the one who was doing intros and obviously she had just come on the scene. So weird. <laughs> I know. I mean, we're so, what, 12 years later now, maybe, I don't know, but. Yeah, so she had just, like, she, her, can't even, I don't remember the songs. They were so ingrained in me for Super years. Super bass. Yeah, that, she actually performed that one. Yeah. She did three songs, and I just remember watching it, but, like, she was one who, they recorded her intro, like, she did intros. They used to have a song, they would do, like, the West, they would do a song, and then do the East, and then close out with another song. And so we were walking through all that and we were obviously the players who were on stage and walked down in between her set. And I would just remember kind of watching her record her set. And then she wanted to go watch the playback. So she would go to the control room and look and see how it, how it looked on TV and how she would be kind of perceived. And, you know, you just kind of, you look at these things and they're obviously you think, you know, they're big and powerful and famous and perform and they've got people to do all that. But to, kind of see all these people care how much their performance looks too. And it kind of rolls into what we do and why we rehearse and why we look at things and totally. see what is, what does ours look like to the show or in a sense. And I know Lizelle to bringing her back to us, like even with the world of dance this year, there were a couple of times where it was like, look, this doesn't look good on social. So what can we do differently? So even caring about how it looks for the rewatch and that kind of stuff. So just, that's what I think was a big takeaway from All-Star was just the rehearsal and how much people care about even the smallest detail and how important it is because if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You know, I remember there was – I can't remember the artist, but, like, somebody had to get on what they called the Barbie pole where it was, like, goes real up 
high up in the air and it kind of wraps around them and hugs them. And they, that was part of the performance and watching them test that and just, you know, the care that people come early, like these artists, you know, usually if they're doing a halftime or if they're in part of intro or something like that's not the first and only time they've done it. I remember, I guess it was probably LA when Kevin Hart did that really long intro. Like he was there for that with Rob Riggle and they kind of went through it, you know, and, these guys who are the hosts, like they come out or even, even the TNT people rehearse the trophy presentation at the end. It's not like that's the first time they've done it either. So they've walked through it too. And just all of those little details and how important each moment is and not wasting a moment. And then being able to take that and relate it to what we do. And it's the same thing, you know, like when we did the Hallelujah, you know, we brought those guys in early. They performed it a couple of times pregame just to make sure they were comfortable with it so that the audio worked because we knew how cool it was going to be. So, you know, tying it all in, it's really cool to see the stuff and apply it and go back and forth. And it's like, this is huge production level. And then, you know, us slowly catching, I mean, we're kind of with what we did with world of dance and projection, like we're kind of on the same level in some areas. So it was pretty cool. So are you saying the all-star game where Shaq danced with Jabberwockies? Were you at that one? And did he rehearse that? So I was at that one. My role was actually outside that year. Oh, so okay. get to see that. But um, my guess is, so that's the one thing, the players, they will do a walkthrough with the players, usually like five minutes before shoot around. So if they're all coming out to rehearse, they walk out an entire side once, usually when they're all arrived and they walk through it. So I don't know. My guess is Shaq probably did it maybe not all out, but I, my guess is, you know, he loves to dance. So my guess, <laughs> if he didn't rehearse it on stage, he had been rehearsing that move for a little while because he was really good. That was, that's like an iconic moment that I can I do of. remember the one where they all, the whole West did the like kind of the wave or whatever they did. And then it got to, <laughs> he just kind of stood there. So of course. Yeah. That's but it funny. was, uh, yeah, no, it's all, it's all, you know, there's nothing, the idea is nothing is by surprise. It's all planned. If you want it to happen, you got to make it happen. All-star, obviously. When I was, in, when I was working in New York, um, some of the Knicks people would go down for some of the all-star you know, duties and things like that. How did you get like, the call-up to do all these things at all-star? What, what was the process for that? Were they, you know, Jonathan knows what he's doing, come down and do this, or did everyone kind of have a part? How did that really work? I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of relationships, you know, it's like, I've been in the league long enough. I've met some people at the NBA, you know, I think part of it, what they try to do is if your city's hosting it, they try to get you involved a year out just to see what it's all about. And so that's how I got the first phone call. And I, you know, I guess I did a good job the first time because I was asked back multiple times and then it was kind of a mutual like, Hey, I'd love to keep doing this. If you'll have me, if you have a role for me, you know, it's funny that the New York one, I got a, it turned out to be a cool experience, but um, I didn't work the games at all. Actually, there was a pregame concert, I think Sunday. Um, they had a sponsored event and it was a whole hour and it was just at a ballroom across the street from Madison Square Garden. And so that's where they asked me to work. So, I mean, they interviewed people like uh, uh, Black Panther was there, but it was for the, the Jackie Robinson movie. It was the time that came out. And like, so they had a, like, some names come through there too. And uh, so I worked that and it was really a, sh a live show for an hour. It was really cool. Cause I'd never done something like that before. I had always done basketball, but this was 
it's really a live TV show concert. It felt a little bit more like what they do on New Year's where they have people talk, they interview people, they have performances, um, and things like that. And so um, it's just kind of a, you know, willing to do anything they want me to do, wherever they need me to do it. And just, you know, you can, you know, and I'm hoping the relationship that was built was one of those where it's like, yeah, okay, we need this. We don't need to hold his hand. So just let him go do it. And they just keep calling it a year. They after have. Year. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> you know, this year was cool. Cause again, knowing all the behind the scenes, I was lucky enough to go and just watch it all. I didn't have to work it. And so knowing what goes into it and seeing it on the other end without really knowing the pain points, you know, I thought it was a great year. I thought they did a good job. And so it was really cool to see it from that perspective too. Awesome. Okay. So now we're going to, head to our final segment where we get to ask you rapid fire favorites. And we've okay. done this before with like Jordan and Sarah and we kind of made it relatable to their industry and what they're doing. So we're really curious at some of your favorites and the ones that we've kind of sought out. So Becca, do you want to ask him? Yeah. So how many okay. arenas have you been to total? Oh man. That's first, first to start off to get the meat of these questions. I'd say 10 to 12. Okay. Eight all-stars. That's different arenas. I've been to quite a few cities, probably 12 to 15. Okay. Nice. All right. So what's your, what's your favorite from what you've seen? And you can obviously say, you know, how it changes like during the Mavs, Mavs years and things like that. If you can't think of another Mm -hmm. intro. So we'll, we'll do this um, pretty quickly. So what is your favorite intro that you've ever seen before the team takes the court? Oh man. I mean, it's hard to say anything that, from All-Star. I mean, everything All-Star does is just on another level. So, and the right. people involved. So, I, all the production value that goes into that, I think, is really, really cool. I think back in the mid-2000s, you know, when Detroit first came on the scene with their, you know, when it was Chauncey Billups and all that kind of space in the PA guy. Like, that was really cool when it had happened because I was still kind of new to the scene and hadn't seen something like that before. So, that one still kind of stands out. What's your favorite uh, halftime show? Ooh, so I'm a big fan. So I have two. I'll say three. So I love <laughs> bar. I think they're great. It's the two guys that hold the bar and the girl flips on it. There's like no net. That one's really cool. Um, I really, the one we've been bringing him out lately, I never saw him until a few years ago, but his name's Luke Rollins and he just has a giant lasso and he can like, I mean, we had him scheduled, and unfortunately, it was the later game of the year, so to bring him out. So Google him, though. I <laughs> way by what he does because I had never seen it before. And then the guy who gets me every time is Simon Says. I just don't understand. Oh, I love Simon Says. Yeah. <laughs> He's so good. He's the best. <laughs> and that's another bummer because we had him. The whole goal, we got him early because we wanted him on fan appreciation night. Right. So, give away a cool prize and get fans involved and bring them on court and unfortunately we didn't get to that either but you know he I don't understand how he does it so quickly how he gets how he's aware and you know sure they're gifted yeah no it's it's, (laughs) he's got he's got a gift for sure um what's your favorite in arena feature that you've been a part of that I've been a part of or had a hand in or you know I mean it's got to be it's got to be Hallelujah. You know, really? the, the way that that, you know, obviously there's been a lot of things. I mean, 
the Kanye story from earlier was a really cool moment, but you know, just you expect that one to be good with how Luca, I just, I mean, Lizelle, you were in the meeting. I remember we found out like, it was like a Tuesday meeting and Mike was like, yeah, I think I know the guys. I think I can make this happen. And it was like, all right, let's try to get them to do it live then. And then mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> the beauty of it is, you know, we emailed Sent and Mark and asked them what they thought and if we had the opportunity and they said, go for it, let's do it. And then, so that's the Tuesday. And I believe the game was either was Friday or Saturday. I can't remember. So yes. to fit and then to have it just the way it happened and the react, I mean, you know, you hope all the time that the fans turn their flashlights on and participate. And most of the time you have to prompt them, but the way that moment, I mean, Lizelle, you were in the bowl. I was watching it from a bird's eye view, but the way everybody kind of stood up and turned and it became a mini concert. And you're just like, what is right now was a very cool moment that just. That was such a fun thing that happened. So like two guys from the ringer, literally they wrote a song, Hallelujah to the song, Hallelujah. And it was just the lyrics were all about Luca and it was just such a funny song and it debuted literally like the week before and then Mike somehow knew I can't remember his name but knew one of the guys Jason Gallagher Jason Gallagher yes and then he reached out they were on a plane they came to a game later that week and it was just so relevant and so timely it wasn't like oh we waited till the end of the month it was just like bing bing boom it happened and he performed it live I knew he was so nervous from like performing that but he sounded so good and he was like I probably should have just lip synced but it was just so crazy how that happened and I think Luca even like looked up and like noticed that they were there singing it and it just happened so fast how like that just was so cool I'm so glad that that happened and it's one of your favorites that's so dope yeah because I think too right like you say a moment but man it moments are moments kind of come off as like it's something that just happens real quickly but like the planning that went into it the quick turn the approval how quickly everything just kept falling into place to make that work there's just so like that it was just awesome and then just the chills and the vibe when it was all done was amazing well I think that's all all sports, you know, social EP, all that kind of stuff is, it's like, it, this doesn't happen just immediately. So that's what I meant. Like, it's like a campaign basically yeah. that you're a part of, and it becomes like a, a two minute thing one night, but it makes a lot of a difference. So that's, that's really yeah. cool to hear that how much went into that. Um, what is your favorite, like, who is your favorite, like celeb or athlete that's ever come through American Airlines Center during your time there that sat courtside? That sat courtside? Or two rows behind courtside? Yeah, no. Um, I mean, this year I thought it was pretty cool that Common was there. You know, I mean, I was a fan of his music and then his acting. So I thought that was cool. I think, uh, trying to think, I geeked out just because I'm a 90s kid but when Ken Griffey Jr. was there to hear he was in our building it was pretty cool because he was like you know when you're young and you become a giant fan of sports like he was tops of baseball so those two are the, probably the ones that you know when I sit here and I think about it stand out to me the most who are just at our games. Cool. Um, have you ever seen a fan get like super emotional after winning something? Yeah, I mean, like so much to them. I think that's the one thing that I, I try to always remind myself because I think, you know, y'all have been doing it a long time now, too. And it's just I think for us, it's our job and we love it. But just 
the emotion and the passion, you know, I think of, we've got some people in the office who probably are still super emotional <laughs> about it as well, but it's like, you know, you definitely see the emotions. I think sometimes the emotions people have over losses versus, you know, over wins is pretty, pretty unreal. But yeah, I mean, I don't have a specific story, but you know, you can just, I, I, you know, I was in the building when Vince Carter hit that three and just the concourse, the electricity on the concourse act afterwards and how it affected everybody. And it was just kind of like, wow, that was really cool too. Um, but yeah, no, I think there's definitely emotion connected to sports and that's the beauty of what we do is we get to try to tap into that, whether it's a, you know, pulling at some heartstrings on a nice story. Like you, you brought up moment and now more thinking about it, the uncle Dirk moment too from last was pretty pretty incredible because again we didn't know what we were going to get we didn't know how he was going to receive it and obviously the crowd loved it and so that's just another side of of emotion you know I think we we were talking once was last year I don't remember two years ago but we've made both Dirk and Holger cry in arena during a game it's like so again you know not just because of wins and losses but I have seen people get emotional over sports for sure and then the last question, um, what's the worst thing that's ever gone wrong during a game that a fan might not have noticed, but you did? A fan might not have noticed. Well, so unfortunately, when we do things, um, fans notice. Really? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think of something major that sticks out. If but... you don't want to share, that's okay. But we no, don't... no, no. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think because <laughs> – I, it's it's weird because I think of what we do and it's like we're all such perfectionists and we want yeah. everything to be perfect and you know I'd be lying if I said every game is perfect there's always something that might be off it may not you know I don't want to say it went wrong because I guess at the end of the day if the fans don't notice did it go wrong at all you know I think there's times where copy might be wrong I think jokingly you know sometimes when we have to read a name in arena and the name doesn't come in in time We've already we've started a PA, and then realized we didn't have the name to fill in the blank, and then so that name has to be ad libbed. I think I've been the winner of <laughs> before, so yes. it's just you know, and I I think that's the thing, right? Like that by no means did it go wrong, but it was one it of those things. Fans, well, it went fine. Like the fans didn't know the difference because right. we read a name. It wasn't like Sean was like, uh, I don't have a name. What is this? You know, but yeah. I mean, because then there's things that go, you know, I've in my career, I, I was working a game once and the power went out, you know, it was just because there was a bad storm and it was the final three minutes of the game. And it was, I just remember the coaches had to decide, are we going to play with just work lights on to get out of the game and that kind of stuff. So I've seen that I've had, I've been on a not top 10 before because we had a, the horn, you know, that had, that goes at the end of, the timeouts it just uh the technical side of it is a relay switch went out so the horn they buzzed the horn to end the timeout and it didn't stop the horn just kept going <laughs> and so obviously you start going through these checkpoints where you like flip the power on the box off well that didn't work then they ripped the plug out of the wall well that didn't work they had to <laughs> the power to the entire center hung to finish the game because that's where there was no like safety in place. And so those are things that go wrong that everybody notices, including ESPN. And then, <laughs> Oh no. You know, <laughs> you know I've, I'm trying, I'm trying to think, you know, I've had, 
I've had people uh, pass out on court. They got didn't necessarily follow a direction, and somebody got tackled, and it didn't go well, and had to get a and get that person off the court. You know, I've seen broken bones that maybe that might be a good one. We did a dunk skit once, and the plant went up and dunked and landed and broke his leg. And I don't think the fans knew, but the way that the people on court just ripped him off the court real quick because we all kind of knew something didn't look right. Right. We got him off. So, I mean, it's hard to say things go wrong. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's more like that. Like, things happen behind right. the scenes a lot. Or, you know, and I would say, too, not that it happens quite often, but there is times where it's like, hey, we can't find the contestant that said they were going to do this bit or this this game. And so – last minute we may have to grab somebody who's just standing in the right place at the right time but you know fans would never know that but that's also part of the job is being flexible and just being ready to go and well if that didn't happen then we'll make this happen and then there's times where things just happen by luck where I remember uh we were recognizing some guys on court and there's uh it was the black Texas hall of fame and I remember Arnold was about to be inducted in it so we had this whole moment where we were going to bring them up and then the way we were going to tie it to back to the Mavs was we were going to congratulate Chris Arnold and so it was one of those where the timeout was next come weren't in the tunnel at all and you know and it was like well what do we do what do we do and so we're 30 seconds out and I'm kind of like okay well let's just only the Chris Arnold part let's just congratulate Chris Arnold and then out of my eye because I sit in the press box I saw him step out of the tunnel. So what it was basically, the timeout had already happened, and they were starting to walk out of the tunnel. I was like, I see him, I see him. Just walk him out. We'll stall on the PA a little bit, just play some music, and we'll get him into place. And so sometimes the opposite happens, and, you know, you just – it all Roll with it. It's supposed to, and you just got to be ready for whether they're there or not, you know. And I think that's what, again, what we love and why we do it is the, the uncertainty, but the being ready the for – yeah it's always different that's dope well thank you thank you thank you jk we're wrapping up thank you so much for joining i mean i learned a lot of today about game presentation and just how you start in this industry and it's super dope because i feel like everybody that we've talked to so far just always had that same kind of ladder progression it's like you started out here and you just worked your way up and i think that's what's so cool about this industry is that people love it and you stay in it and as the goods and the bads of the season you your job still is just always amazing and how much that we put into it whether or not we had a good season or not so thank you fans that have listened if you all have any suggestions make sure you tweet at dallas mavs or me and becca you should know our at handles by now um let us know who you want to hear from next stuff like that subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast and uh thanks for listening we'll see y'all next time thank you